Well, it's been really good just to worship together, and uh, we're kicking off a new series, and uh, I get to kick it off this morning. So uh, I have prayed that this message can be an encouragement to you personally as you strive to become more in love with Jesus, and uh, I'm just glad you're here today. Whether you're a long-time believer or this is brand new to you or you're not even sure what you think about Jesus yet, I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, more than anything else, I, I just hope you feel God's love for you today. So this series is called Love First. And the initial idea from this series came from the place of seeing how Jesus approached people. It just seemed that even in situations when the people were messy, when their lives were a wreck or they were sinful or whatever the situation was, how difficult it was, Jesus just loved first. He seemed to just meet them right where they were, look at them, and love them. And then he brought something great into their lives, and I want to live more like that. I think as Christ followers, we have to do that. It's part of the work of the kingdom of God, bringing his kingdom here now just by loving people. And I believe that the more we love people and, and we strive to reach all peoples of all nations in the world, we have to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And he loved first. My real desire for you this morning is that you would experience the active presence of Jesus and I believe there's a difference between God's presence and God's active presence. For example, we could take up an offering today for the worship minister's vacation fund. <laughs> what are you laughing about? No, we're not going to. This is just pretend, okay? But we could. We never will. Uh, but if we took up an offering for the worship minister's vacation fund, a billionaire could be in the audience. And if he were here, he could be present, but not necessarily active. But if when the plate was passed, he slapped a million bucks in the offering, then not only was the billionaire present, he was actively present. My real desire this morning is that you would experience the active presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to say to you, you're my only hope, and I pray for each person in this room that, that your Holy Spirit would do a deep work in their hearts. I pray for those that are listening online, that, that your Holy Spirit would work in their lives, that you would do a deep work in each one of us. That's not something I know how to strive up. That's not something I know how to do. But, Father, I am praying that you will do something on the inside of our lives today. Help us grow to understand you and your love for us more. Communicate your message through me. And, and Jesus, I just want to say to you again, you're my only hope. In your name I pray. Amen. We're going to look in the Bible today at Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28, and I'm looking forward to sharing this message with you. Uh, I took Jared Perkins to Joplin, Missouri for a conference probably 30 years ago, and uh, <clears throat> I'm not positive it was this same week, but it's the same conference where I heard a message from a man named David Busby, 
And he spoke about some of these things, and it's, it's stuck with me. So some of the things that, that I'm sharing would come from him. But it's a message that I feel passionate about. The word passion is an interesting word. What do you feel passionate about? If you were to look on the inside, what could you say with integrity that you are passionate about? One gentleman defined passion as something you pound the table about when you're into your passion. Another said when someone's talking about their passion, they scoot out on the edge of their seat and didn't even realize they scooted because they're so into their passion. Someone else said, whatever your passion is, it consumes your mind. It's your mental chewing gum. What do you think about right before you go to bed at night? A passion is something that might keep you awake, maybe even make you cry. I am passionate about this, and I'm pleading with you to be passionate about this. If we are going to love first like Jesus loved people before that we have to love first our lord and savior jesus really love him it starts here what's most important if you were to take christianity and boil it down to the most central of the central issues what's the main issue what's most important Sometimes I think we can be confused about this. Do we fully understand what we are called to? So to begin, I think we can all agree on this. Christianity is a relationship with a living person, Jesus Christ. I think we'd agree with that. Christianity is a personal relationship with a living person, Jesus Christ. Now, at one point, this man I mentioned, David Busby, spoke to some 27,000 people. And after he spoke, he was able to interview hundreds of people who had, by and large, grown up in the church. And in the process of talking with them, he said, tell me about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said he got five categories of response back from these people as he talked with hundreds of them. Tell me about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the first response was kind of like, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. It was about a task. I do Jesus for 15 minutes a day. Category number two was, I read the Bible. I read the Bible. It was a book. The book is the menu that leads us to the meal. The book is not the meal. Jesus is the meal. It was a task. It was a book. Category number three was, I I go to church. I I go to church. It was a place. Category category number four was, uh, I I got it. I got it. I got the gift of eternal life. When I die, I'm going to heaven. It was an it. It was a task. It was a book. It was a place. It was an it. Or it was a, a set of behaviors. Well, I don't, and I don't, and I don't, but I do, and I do, and I do. And I don't mean to sound critical, but these were people who had, by and large, been raised in the church, and I'm not sure they got it. And I think there are huge numbers of people in the church and outside of the church 
who don't really get it, who don't really know what being a Christian is all about. It's a relationship with a living person, Jesus Christ. That's not what I want to talk about today, but I want to talk about part B of that. It's not only a relationship with a living person, but it's a passionate love relationship with Jesus. Can I ask you a real, real intimidating personal question? Are you passionately in love with Jesus? Because your friends know it if you are, and they know it if you're not. I believe the greatest thing you can bring into your friendships outside of Christ is for you to be passionately in love with your Savior, Jesus. Mark twelve twenty eight. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one. Jesus answered, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, only one true God, only one place you can get your innermost longings met. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that, God is one and there is no other but him and to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's more important than than all the external stuff. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus said, scribe, you want a bottom line? There's only one true God, and the only appropriate response is to fall in love with him, to fall passionately in love with him. Question, how do I do that? You know, we can make incredible mistakes in our lives and in relationships where we're trying to to share Jesus with others. We've We've all blown it in lots of ways before. But if you passionately love Jesus, you will impact lives. You will. I'm convinced in my own life that love solves lots of issues. Now, this may sound like a cliche, but I really love my wife. She happens to be sitting here in the second row today. I am passionately in love with my wife. You may be saying, oh, that's so sweet. The preacher's passionately in love with his wife. But you know what? I I don't have to have any external fingers on the outside saying, have you loved your wife today? I think about her because I'm in love with her. Have you pleased your wife today? Well, I think about pleasing her. 
because I love her. And I say this carefully, but I say it because I mean it. I would sacrifice for my wife because I love her. David Busby had cystic fibrosis. He had lost about 70% of his lung capacity. His health was terrible. And he spoke of a time where his wife, over supper, said to him, I will give you one of my lungs. Do you know what would motivate a wife to say that? I mean, there, there couldn't be enough fingers from the outside pointing at her or external pressure for her to say that and be real. He said, internally, the woman loves me. She loves me. And sacrifice is part of the language of someone who's in love. If we're going to impact this world for Christ, we are going to... The word sacrifice is going to have to become part of our language. And for sacrifice to become part of our language, we're going to have to fall freshly, passionately in love with Jesus again. So how do I do that? How do I fall passionately in love with Jesus? Well, I'm going to share what's done more in my life than anything else to cause me to fall in love with Jesus. If this is the most important thing we're to be about, to facilitate people to fall in love with Jesus, love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if that's the most important thing, how do I do that? So here it is. The more I see how God views me as his child through faith in Jesus, the more my heart is stimulated to love him back. The more I see how God views me as his child through faith in Jesus, the more my heart is stimulated to love him back. So David Busby also asked hundreds of people another question, and I want to ask you today, if Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, were to materialize Star Trek style right in front of you today, and he was to have a private conversation with you, what would he think about you? What would he feel about you? What would he say to you? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, wanted to have a private conversation with you face to face. What would he say to you? What would he think about you? What would he feel about you primarily? Well, the people he interviewed had four categories of response basically to that question. And the first one, if we were looking for a D word, it would be disgusted oh I, I know how it would go with Jesus if he had a private conversation Jesus would look over at me and say I am so disgusted with you here I died on the cross for you and you can't even break that silly habit folks I'm telling you that's the mental image a lot of people have about God God's disgusted with me the second category wasn't 
disgusted. It was just angry. Oh, I know how it goes. He'd be angry. You haven't picked up your Bible in a year. Has anybody ever, ever felt that way? Like, Jesus is coming back, and boy, is he ticked at me. He's coming, and he's ticked. There's a lot of people who feel that way about God. The third category wasn't discussed. If it wasn't anger, this one gets me. And again, this is representative of a lot of people that feel this way. Oh, I I know how the face-to-face thing with Jesus would go. I, I know how it would go. He would look over and he would say, you are a huge disappointment to me. You are so disappointing. The final category wasn't discussed. It wasn't anger. It wasn't disappointment. It was just kind of distant. Like, Yeah, I know how it would go if Jesus were talking to me. It would just be kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm not even worth his focused attention. It would just be kind of distant. And so, when people, even as Christians, have that mental image of Jesus, and someone says, let's worship, and they all yawn like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's worship the God who's disgusted with me. Let's sing to the God who's full of anger at me, who's incredibly disappointed in me. Here I am, Mr. Defective, worshiping again, oh God. And people stay away in droves. Because that's the mental image they have of how God feels about them. I believe with I just want to share with you something that has done more in my life to help me be in love with Jesus more than anything else, as I have been convinced more and more and more and more that the good news is really good. The good news of the gospel is better than I thought. You know why some people don't share the good news? Because it's not good news. It's bad news, their version of it. I believe with all of my soul, if Jesus went face to face with you today, even with your stuff. Guys, has has it hit you? We're goofy on our best day. On our best day, we still mess up. But I believe if Jesus went face to face with you today, he would say some of the things he's already said in the book. He would look you in the eye, even with your stuff. And I think more than anything else, he would say things like Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. My son, do you know that I think about you? It says in the Psalms, how precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. Not my thoughts, your thoughts about me. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Next time you go to the beach... Pick up a handful of sand and just think about the thousands of grains of sand in your hand and let let them sift down through your fingers and let that scream at you. Think about all the beaches 
and all the deserts and all the oceans in the world. That's how many times, more than that, I think about you because you're so special to me. He thought about us before we were formed in our mother's womb. You've had people come up to you and say, you know, I've been thinking about you all week. You don't say to them, well, stop it. No. That touches you deep inside that they've given thought to you. They've given mental mental energy to you. They care about you. I think about you, Troy Mower, and you need to know why, because you're so special to me. Yeah, I know you got stuff, and I'm working on this stuff, but get it. You're special to me. Ephesians 1.4 says we're chosen. Think of the story of a, a kid when he was uh, growing up. His, his brother was a great basketball player, and when he was about 12 years old, his brother was a senior in high school, and he thought, I'm going to go outside and play basketball with the boys. He was feeling kind of squirrely that Saturday morning, just thought, I'm, I'm going to go join them. So he goes down there to the park, and you know how backyard ball is. You shoot out to see who gets to be captain, and you shoot out to see who gets to be first pick. And this kid said, you know, I shot, and my, you know, it was a brick. It just kind of, boom. And he said, my brother, on the other hand, shot it, swished it. He got to be captain, shot, got to be first pick. And then he said, my big brother did something that I will never forget. He looked out at that crowd of 20 big, hairy high school guys and one 12-year-old seventh grader, and he said, David, I choose you. And the kid said, I went, me? And he said, I I walked up to my big brother, and tears were streaming down my face. And he said, "I, I got under his arm there. And he said, I realized for the first time, my big brother chose me, not because of my athletic ability, because there was none. My big brother chose me because he wanted me. Ephesians 1.4 says we're chosen, and I'm I'm telling you, the good news says if you went face-to-face with Jesus, even with your stuff, and I'm not minimizing the stuff, I believe the good news of the cross of Jesus is that Jesus would lean over and take you by the shoulders and say, you're chosen. I chose you. And you need to know why. It's because I want you. I want you. It's, you know, why? Because we're good basketball players because our spiritual performance is always great wrong it's because he wants us he loves us and i don't know about you but something deep inside of me says i want you back i want you too it's not external pressure well anyone who's a christian should no it's in here this response, because he loves me. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6 tells us we're accepted in the beloved. It's another story of a college-age kid who came to this mentor, and he didn't hide well. He just spilled his guts, and he was just saying, you know, I'm a, you know my, I just, 
I'm struggling. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I get up early to read my Bible, and I fall asleep, and I'm wrestling with lust, and I'm, I just got all kinds of problems, and it's just help, 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 help. And the man's having a conversation with this boy, and he's also having a conversation with God. God, give me helpful help for this kid. And he said, out of the blue, a thought hit me. Just ask this kid about his relationship with his dad. And he said, I did. And, and as soon as that word dad came out of my mouth, this kid's face became sad incredibly sad and he said oh my dad's a perfectionist and uh i can never do it good enough for my dad i I constantly try and i try and i try but but one day he said one day i'm going to do it right enough long enough and then my dad is going to say now now and give me a hug some people feel that way about god And the man said, I I think you feel about God the same way you feel about your dad, that if God were here, he would would have this big stiff arm out, kind of like this. And he'd say, you know, one day you're going to get the hug. But but right now, you've got all this stuff in your life. So take care of this stuff, take care of that stuff, take care of this stuff, take care of that stuff. And then when you do good news, you get the hug. But right now, you've got all that stuff in your life. And so this man grabbed that kid, and he said, Too late! You're in the hug! And he hugged that boy. And he said, Because of what Jesus Christ has already done, you're in the hug. You're accepted in the beloved. You get the hug. Now, Don't misunderstand me. Inside the hug, he's going to be working on the sticky stuff in your life. He loves you too much to let you just sit in your sin and pretend like it's okay. I don't know about you. I can handle him working on the sticky stuff in my life. As long as I know I'm in the the hug. I can't handle this. That's bad news. That's not the gospel. This is the gospel. And he's working on this stuff. We're accepted in the beloved. And that college kid, when when that man told him that, literally wet the man's shirt with his tears because for the first time, he got it. The good news was better than he thought. How do you fall in love with Jesus? You let some of this good news sink in. He thinks about me. Why? Because I'm special. He's chosen me. Why? Because he wants me. You're accepted. I really believe if Jesus were here, he'd pick us up, put us in his lap, love love us and, and hug us, but with strong love. He will get in your face about the stuff that you need to clean up in your life. He loves you way too much to just allow that to sit in your life and us just pretend like it's okay. So I'm not minimizing this stuff. Whatever it is that that causes you to be distant from Jesus, if you need to clean some things up, let's do that. Let's fall back in love with Jesus, receive his love, and just be his. But he will get in your face about that stuff within the hug. 
1 Corinthians 1, 9 says we've been called to have fellowship with his son Jesus. Do you know why Jesus wants fellowship with us? Hold on. You're, you're going to have a hard time believing this. You've heard that old saying, well, it's just too good to be true. Well, this is good and it's true. We have been called to have fellowship with Jesus because he enjoys us. I think we all need to know how much God enjoys his children. There's this little boy named Miles, and uh, he lives up in Minneapolis, and he happens to be my grandson. He's 20 months old, and uh, I really can't put into words how much I enjoy that little boy. We get to go see him in a couple days, but... um, You know, he's he's kind of a messy eater. <laughs> and uh he he just likes to cram food in his mouth. I mean he'll he'll have his little tray there and uh let's pretend he's eating spaghetti. I mean it doesn't matter what it is, it's just like a handful at a time and then he just crams it in there. And obviously it's it's messy. And you've probably seen little kids in your life and you see them eat and you're thinking, That's disgusting. I mean, if they're just messy and gross and you think you know, and, and Miles takes work. I mean, he's 20 months old. He gets up in the night sometimes, or maybe he makes a mess and gets all the toys out and dumps everything or, you know, <clears throat> diapers. I mean, it, it takes work to be a parent or a grandparent. But I can tell you right now, if that little boy come up those stairs and was running to me even if he had spaghetti all over his face I wouldn't even hesitate I would bend over scoop that boy up and hug him and love him I would look right past the mess and not even think twice and so the look on my face when I see Miles the, the look of delight, of enjoyment, of joy. And this next picture just kind of says, I love that kid. Let that picture remind you that every time God's eyes catch your eyes, that's how he feels about you. And his face lights up just like that. And I'm convinced that I look way worse than any little kid with spaghetti all over his face when it relates to my behavior. I believe if Jesus went face to face with you, he would say, I enjoy you. And believe me, it's not always because of your behavior. But understand, I enjoy you. I want fellowship with you because you are mine. My face lights up when I see Miles because I see a little boy that I deeply love. My face lights up because he is mine. He's my grandson, and I'm his papa. And every time I look at him, It doesn't matter what he's been doing. It doesn't matter where he's been. It doesn't matter how messy he might have gotten. I look at him, and I see a little boy I deeply 
love. I have a question. How do you fall passionately in love with Jesus? And we have come to know and have believed the love the Father has on us. We love because He first loved us. Ephesians 1.18, Paul writes, I want the eyes of your heart to be opened. I want you to get the picture that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of the glory of God's inheritance. I'm thinking God's inheritance. That's what God gets. God's inheritance is what God gets. That you may know the riches, the riches of God's glorious inheritance. What do you get, God, after all this stuff? You sent your own son to die for me. What do you get? Ephesians 1.18 says the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know what God gets for all his trouble? He gets you. <laughs> he gets me. Sometimes I think that sounds kind of like a white elephant gift, doesn't it? But it's not recorded that God's disappointed in what he gets. He likes what he gets. He gets you. And he calls you his glorious inheritance. Church, God's not complaining. He likes us. Some of you may need to let this in this morning. You need to realize that Jesus is madly in love with you. You need to let the good news in. Maybe your heart has grown cold. You felt like God was disgusted or angry or disappointed or distant. Maybe in a fresh way you need to feel his acceptance. You need to hear him say, you know what? I chose you. You know why? Because I want you. Maybe in a fresh way you need to see the delight on his face as he looks at you, even though... Sometimes we're a real mess. But know that he has a look of delight on his face as he looks at his child. He loves you. You are his. And if the Holy Spirit breaks through and lets that happen in you, it will be so good you'll find something deep within you rumbling saying, I want you too. I choose you too. I accept you too. I enjoy you too. I love you too. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you thanking you for your incredible, unconditional, strong love that doesn't allow us just to sit in our sins. Father, we want to allow you to get in our face about the things that we know are not right in our life. We know that they're keeping us from being in love with you the way we should. It's making our love grow cold. God, thank you for your example of great love. You loved us first. And now help our first response be to love you back. And then to love others. Jesus, I want to say to you again, you're my only hope. Thank you for loving me, for saving me.
may it be the most important thing that we love you. Do that work on our hearts today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.